Good morning, church. It's just so great to, to be together this morning. And just for those that are regulars, you guys know that we are busy with a journey um, called I Am as we're trying to discover God's greatness. But for those that are joining us for the first time, just allow, just allow me this morning just to do a recap so you understand the why we are doing this, this journey. So just a bit of a background. This is a time where the Israelites, the Israelites are in Egypt. And basically, they are in slavery, and it's tough, and it's bad. They cry out to God and say, Lord, please help. And then God, obviously, this, this, cries, uh, this cries reaches God's ears, and then God says, I'm going to do something about it. So God decides to appear to Moses in a burning bush. And then he tells Moses, you need to go back to Egypt and save my people. And then in Exodus 3, verse 14, Moses says, uh, Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent, it, has sent them to you. I mean, in simple English, God, uh, Moses asked, what is your name? And then God responded, I am. And this is quite strange, but this is quite interesting how if we had to just go back in time into ancient Egypt, the Egyptians actually believed that the name of God in small capital letters um, represented some sort of power that that little mini God had. So, for example, if your name was like Ocean, for example, if, if, uh, if there was a God called Ocean, the Egyptians would probably sit there and say, okay, well, the oceans are kind of big probably round. So chances are that God is related to something that has to do with something that's big or something that's great. So the reality is if God had probably said, my name is Jehovah Jireh, it means that the ancient Egyptians or the people at that point in time would have boxed God into provision. They would have boxed him into whatever name that God had given at that point in time. That is why God responded in a way that till today, Till today, this name is just so amazing, so wonderful. That's why God says, I am. Why? There is so many, so many facets about God that we don't understand. And I am summarizes or captures vastness of God that we just cannot put in one word. So this journey is an identity journey, but this is not our identity. This is us understanding who God is. So just like what Brent and Kate said earlier on, we spoke about Adonai, Jehovah Jireh, Shalom, Uzi, and many more. But this morning, we'll be talking about Jehovah Nisi. So I'll be reading from Exodus 17, and I'll be reading from verse 8 to 15. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill, holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. 
Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar there and named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. He said, they have raised their fist against the Lord's throne. So now the Lord will be at war with Amalek generation after generation. That is quite an amazing scripture. But then there's three quick things that I want us to understand or want us to get um, with regards to the scripture that I read. Firstly, we see that the, Amal- the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. So the first thing we need to understand is sometimes we don't get to choose the battles that, that we face. We all from time to time face different battles. Might be physical, spiritual, mental, but at some point in time, we get to face different battles. And just like what we read, the Bible indicates that the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites. And these guys were quite sneaky, actually. So Deuteronomy actually shows us that how the Amalekites actually fought these guys as when the Israelites were walking on their journey, what they would do is they wouldn't attack from the front. They would pick out all those guys that were lagging behind, and then they'll attack them. I mean, that's how sneaky those guys were. So they eventually got to a point where they decided now is the time to face the entire um, Israelite uh, people. And you might be probably sitting there saying, but this is not fair. I mean, God, why wouldn't you protect them? What I'd love to show you that there is beauty. There is beauty with us not getting to choose the battles that we face. And uh, if we look at Exodus 13, verse 17 to 18, it says, When Pharaoh finally let the people go. So this is when the Israelites were leaving Egypt. So when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with the battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. That is quite interesting. God knew that at that point in time, if they faced battles, they were going to turn back and return back to Egypt. So this is quite encouraging because this shows us that God is all-knowing. This encourages us because God knew that this is a nation of slaves. These guys were not fighters. These guys, all they knew their lives was yes men or slavery and oppression. That's all they knew. But God shows us that he knows that when we are faced with battles, he knows that he knows what we can handle, and also God knows what we cannot handle. So this gives us encouragement because we understand that God leads. God is leading in our lives. So this also tells us that when we face battles in our lives, can you imagine the battles we could have faced, but God protected us from that? This basically tells us that when we eventually face a battle, God knows that we are ready for that particular battle. So God leading also revealed something that is quite true about the Israelites. And also that is something that is quite true 
for us today. His leading basically sometimes shows us that we are flawed. His leading when he takes us through the wilderness shows us that we are weak, shows, that, shows our weaknesses. His leading shows us that we've got a rebellious nature. And ultimately, his leading also shows that, that our faithfulness is fragile. And this is something that we suffer from today. And just to give you an example of why or, you know, in this life, we're going to spend time and we're going to live in situations where we don't get to choose our battles. I'm reminded um, at some point in time, I fought a battle of unemployment. Um, I just finished school, graduated, so excited. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to get a job. Life is going to be amazing. But guess what? I, I sat home for months and months unemployed. I remember it got so bad that I'd wake up in the morning. Um, my dad and I would, would, would get up in the, would get in the car, would drive door to door to companies and would beg to get a job. And imagine I'd even tell the companies, I'm willing to work for free. That's the battle at some point in time that I faced. But guess what? Little did I know that in that wilderness, in that point in time, I was being trained to be able to be appreciative of when I eventually do get a job that I won't just give up. I won't just walk away. Those are some of the battles that I faced. So church, number one, we don't get to choose our battles. But just like how the Israelites did not choose to be attacked at Rephidim, this shows us once again that God is all-knowing and God knows that we are ready and we can handle the battle. So secondly, Yes, we don't get to choose our battles, but we get to choose how we respond. So Moses, in, uh, Moses' response was very front-footed. We see how firstly he mobilizes Joshua. He tells Joshua what to do. And then once he tells Joshua what to do, we see him go up into a hill. And then basically his response was pretty simple, worship. Worship, worship, worship. Joshua was leading the charge with a sword Moses was leading the charge with worship. But here's the sad reality. This is not always the case with most of us. Every time we are faced with a battle, the response of sword and worship isn't really our natural response. If we go back to Exodus 17, like a, a couple of verses earlier, we're going to see how the Israelites responded every time there was a challenge. In Exodus 17, 3, this is when they, didn't, they did not have water to drink. So they began to complain, began to just complain to Moses. And in Exodus 17, 3, it says, But tormented by thirst, they continued to argue with Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children and our livestock? Notice that again. Notice how... When we are faced with a battle, we have two choices. We either are front-footed with worship, with praise, or we change our minds and go back to Egypt. And once again, going back to Egypt is a symbol of us giving up, is a symbol of us backsliding, is a symbol of us just going back to sin. So church, we don't get to choose our battles, but we get to choose how we respond. Daniel 2 verse 20 says, Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all the wisdom and power. And then thirdly, uh, one of the things that we get from the scripture is without a doubt, without a doubt, God gave the Israelites victory at Rephidim. 
So obviously God was with them, God defended them, and God deserved all the glory. I mean, the scripture, the Bible tells us that when, when Moses' hands were up, they were winning. But then when his hands started lowering, they were being um, defeated. So as long as Moses' hands were up, they were basically winning. And this tells us once again that without a doubt, without a complete um, doubt, that God gave them victory. So Moses builds an altar and calls it Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. So maybe just to spend a bit of time on this word banner. So basically during, during a battle, um, think, of, think of two crowds. There's, there's, there's two people facing each other on a battlefield. So each crowd basically would have some sort of pole, and at the end of the pole there would be a banner. So there would be multiple things in that banner. Maybe some guys would put their emblem, some guys would put words, whatever it may be is not the point, but each army would have a banner. So can you imagine if you're in the thick of things, you're fighting and everything is hectic, there's like a 100,000 people in the battlefield, and when you lift up your head, when you look all around you, you see the banner that belongs to your people. What do you think that will tell you? You'd be like, well, here we go, we are winning. I mean, that's what it will tell you. But suppose you're fighting and it's dirty, it's ugly, it's hectic, you lift up your head and you see your enemy's banner. What does that tell you? It means you guys are losing. So basically, banners are quite significant. Banners are, are clearly visible, and they make a big statement during a battle. I'd love to think that, you know, the Bible doesn't give us an indication, apart from Moses, Aaron, and her, the Bible doesn't give us an indication if anyone else saw, you know, when Moses was lifting his hands up or when he was lifting his hand down. But I believe in the battlefield, Joshua and his men picked it up at some point that, wait a minute, every time we're fighting and, his, and Moses' hands are up, we are winning. And then every time his hands are down, we are losing. Can you imagine what it meant to Joshua and the guys when they looked back and then they saw Moses' hands up? I'm sure they fought, they fought their heart out. So once again, church, a banner is something, a banner makes a very, very big statement during a battle. So, the name Jehovah Nisi revealed two important things. Well, firstly, it gave Israel assurance that God gave them the victory. And the second big statement was to show the Israelites that now going forward, every time they faced a battle, God is the standard. Just like how when you are in an industry or you're at work, um, when you are doing a particular task, you have what you call an SOP, a standard operating procedure. For you to get the job done, you have to follow the SOP. If you don't follow an SOP, what happens? You're either not going to get the quality of the product you're making, and chances are you're going to get injury, or you're not going to do it in a safe way. So in the same breath, God was showing them that every time you face a battle, I am your standard. I am the SOP when it comes to a battle. And then some biblical examples where no doubt God gave victory in that situation where those guys had no choice, but we can see how their response, how they dealt with that situation, showed that God gave them victory. First one was David. We all know David and Goliath. 
I don't believe that David woke up that morning saying, I'm going to fight Goliath. Well, actually, the Bible tells us that David woke up and his dad um, actually sent him to where Goliath or where these people were. But his mission was actually to give his, his three brothers that were at war just bread and food. That was his mission for the day. Go give them bread and food. But he gets there. There was a battle. There was Goliath. And how does David respond? David responds with complete assurance that God had always protected him and that he will protect him when he faced Goliath. How about Jehoshaphat? I mean, he woke up one day and he realized that there were three armies coming to, to, to decimate him and where he was staying. How did Jehoshaphat um, respond? He responded with prayer. Yes, he was afraid, but he responded with prayer. And then what happened? I mean, he became the king known as the one who won without even fighting. That was his response when he was faced with the battle. How about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego? I mean, these guys, firstly, um, where they stayed, armies came, decimated their place, took them captive, took them in a foreign land. I mean, that's a battle of its own, where you're growing up in a place where it's not your place, you don't know the people around you, you're in captivity. How do you, how do you respond to that? Well, their response was, yes, we are in a foreign land, but we will not conform to the practices or how the people in that point in time behaved. They, held, they, stu they stood firm in the word of the Lord. They stood firm in the fact that there is but one God. And even though they were threatened to be thrown in the fire, they stood firm. And we see how God delivered them from the fire. So then the question is, how then do we, do, how, how then do we, how do we respond, you know, with this re revelation of Jehovah Nisi? How do we respond with this today, that the Lord is our banner? Well, firstly, we need to realize that we are born into a battle. We are born into a battle. Ephesians six twelve says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So these various principalities show us the diversity, shows us the diversity of the tactics that the enemy uses in this battlefield. And this reminds us that we cannot fight this battle with human resources. So we are born into a battlefield and we cannot use the weapons that we make. And another tactic that the enemy uses into this battlefield that we are born with is the tactic that he used all the way in Genesis where he lied to Adam and Eve and thus sub subsequently led to us um, losing our place, losing our, our presence, you know, in the Garden of Eden. We found ourselves being kicked out, being banished of Eden. I mean, Eden was so amazing. I mean, Adam and Eve were at a point where they could, they could walk with God. I mean, the Bible says God would be walking about in the Garden. I mean, that's how amazing Eden was. But the enemy used one of his tactics, and we lost that. We definitely lost that. So unfortunately, we ended up being separated from God and then once again, that made us be, that, that subsequently led us to get into a space where we inherited sin and thus being separated um, from God. So just like the Israelites in Exodus 13, our nature, our nature always wants to go back to Egypt. Our nature always wants to go back to slavery. Our nature honestly wants to constantly go back to sin. So church, we need to firstly realize that we are born 
into a battlefield. We are born into a battlefield. And then secondly, church, we need to realize that Jesus Christ is our hope. Jesus becomes our victory banner in this battlefield. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right um, with God through Jesus Christ. That is quite beautiful. Earlier on, I spoke about how one of the tactics the enemy used was for us to rebel against God. Thus, we were separated from God. But now we see how through Christ, God defeats the enemy or defeats one of the tactics that the enemy was trying to use to separate us from God. So the wages of sin or the penalty of sin, according to Romans 6, is death. You and I deserved death, but God gives us a way out or God gives us a way out. So Jesus Christ came down or he never sinned, nor did he deceive anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threatened or threatened to revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judged fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we cannot be dead to sin and to live for what is right. By his wounds, you and I are healed. Once we were like sheep who wandered away, but now we have turned to our shepherd, the guardian of our soul. So the shepherd Jesus becomes our victory banner. So we are not lost anymore or we are not wandering. Now in this battlefield, we can lift up this victory banner, which is Jesus. So church, then lastly, why can't we afford, why can't we afford to miss this revelation of Jehovah Nisi? Well, Matthew 16, verse 16 to 19 this is a conversation between um, Jesus and the disciples. So Jesus asks Peter, who do you say I am? And then this is the response. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So church, Christ is building his church, and you and I are part of that church. You and I are part of that church. But here's the reality. Christ says that um, all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So what that says, or what that actually means to us, is the powers of hell will try to conquer. And when they try to conquer, we will find ourselves in a battlefield. And when we find ourselves in a battlefield, we have a choice once again. Do we let our flesh win and go back to Egypt? Or do we lift up our victory banner, which is Jesus? Hebrews 12 verse 2 says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And I love that. We do this by fixing our eyes on Jesus, on our champion. The battle are won, or battles are won, when we fix our eyes on Jesus. He was lifted on a cross. He became our emblem of hope. 
The power of sin was broken. The battle has already been won. So church, we need to understand that when the principalities try and face us on the battlefield, we need to understand that we are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from a place of victory. That is something that we need to understand. So church, Moses raised his hands the whole night with the help of Aaron and her. So we need to understand that we need to fight these battles through prayer, through worship, through prayer, through worship. Is it going to be easy? No, it's not going to be easy. Is it going to be convenient? Absolutely not. It's not going to be convenient. But Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner, that is who, that is what we need to be lifting up um, every day of our life. So church, in closing, Christ, Christ is building his church. And we are part of that church. We are part of that battle. We are part of that army. And I'm just reminded, once again, an eight-year-old man who was Moses lifted up his hands the whole night. He played his part. Joshua played his part with the sword in the battlefield. Aaron and her played their part as they supported Moses' hands in the battlefield. Jesus Christ came. He came. He died for you and I. In his blood, by his stripes, we were healed. Jesus came so that we can have life and life in abundance. Jesus played his part. Will you play your part? Will you every day commit to prayer, to worship? Will you every day commit to lift Jesus, our champion? Will you every day commit to lift Jesus, our victory banner, in this battlefield that we did not choose, but we get to choose how we respond every day? In those words, allow me to say amen and, and God bless. So let me pray. Father God, just thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you so much that by your stripes that we are healed. Thank you, Father, that yes, we did not choose the sinful nature that, that we were born with. But Father, thank you that you gave us a way out. You gave us an option to choose. You, you gave us an option to choose you. Father, thank you that through you there's life, through you there's hope. Through you, you become our victory banner. Father, there's so many battles that each of us face every day. So many that we, so many that we can't just, we can't count them all this morning. But Father, I know that every day when we wake up, when we choose to pray, when we choose to worship you, we find ourselves in the winning side. We find ourselves in the right fight. Father, may you empower the church. May you empower us to every day choose you. May you empower us not to go back to Egypt, not to go back to our sinful nature, but every time when we are faced with a battle that we are reminded that, Father, you are in control, that, Father, you know our future, that, Father, you know that we can handle it. Father, I just pray that this revelation of Jehovah Nisi, this, this, this revelation that you are our banner, that this revelation that in whatever that we find ourselves, if we just lift up our head, if we lift up our head, we'll be able to see that we are in a, in a place of victory, not fighting for victory, but we are in a place of victory. Father, I pray, I pray that we get this revelation. 
not just this revelation, Father, but I, I just pray as a church we understand that all these different names that we have been um, preaching to, talking to, that it's not just single parts, but this is, this is a salvation of who you are. Father, you are our provider. Father, you are the only God. Father, you are our strength. Father, you are our peace. Father, you are our victory banner in a time of war. Father, I pray in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.